The FDA has been ramping up its medical device cybersecurity efforts, including recently issuing voluntary guidance that recommends manufacturers consider cybersecurity risks as part of their design and development of medical devices. I'm Marianne Kolbesak-McGee, Executive Editor at Information Security Media Group. Today I'm speaking with attorney Ellen Giblin of law firm Edwards Wildman Palmer. Ellen will be discussing the significance of the new FDA guidelines. So now, Ellen, for starters, what's the most significant thing about the new FDA cybersecurity guidance for medical device manufacturers and also healthcare providers, for that matter? Well, I think what's significant from a compliance point of view is that the guidance document does not have the full force of law and does not establish detailed standards to be followed by device manufacturers. It references the cybersecurity framework, but it doesn't dictate which framework. I think the guidance document that so provide for and refer to manufacturers to a number of FDA-recognized consensus standards, the device manufacturers would review these cybersecurity risk documents and use them to prepare for their pre-market filings. So unlike HIPAA or the other data security regulations, such as the Gramm-Leach-Bliley Act or the state data security regulations such as the Massachusetts ones. This is a non-binding guidance document that does not have the full force of law. So, Ellen, being that the FDA guidance is voluntary, if the FDA truly wants to bolster medical device cybersecurity, why do you think the FDA decided to make this guidance voluntary rather than issuing mandatory regulations? I think that the, the FDA, they have concerns about security vulnerability, including malware infections on network-connected medical devices or computers, smartphones, and tablets used to access patient data. But I don't think that, and, you know, they've already been working with the off-the-shelf software uh, designed to prevent unauthorized access to the device or network. What we're looking at here is that the FAA is not willing to go in and actually design the devices but they're giving an indication of what the specific devices or systems should have. So they're looking for the designers to look at known and vulnerabilities and those that have been targeted in the past and move towards design that would be in response to those past issues, but also look forward and try to anticipate some of the risks and what there would be to mitigate those risks. So just to summarize, I think it's a forward-looking type of guidance that's a little bit more elastic that opens up the area for more of a ongoing inquiry to match the a cybersecurity vulnerability towards a mitigating control, but to keep it flexible. So, Ellen, from a legal standpoint, since this is a voluntary guidance, what's your advice to medical device makers? Should they be looking at this as if it is mandatory? Do they run the risk of perhaps having their products rejected by FDA if they don't meet these various cybersecurity requirements? Well, I would say that these guidance which are taken seriously and that there's no reason not to rely on their on their guidance and what they're requiring. In the past, I believe the FTC had some documents that came out including privacy by design and the Internet of Things. 
some of those publications were seen as guidance at the beginning, but now it becomes adopted as a standard. So I would say this is the future. So, you know, why not just jump on board and follow the guidance? So, Ellen, what's your advice to healthcare providers when it comes to medical device cybersecurity? I think they take it very seriously. Healthcare providers, you know, when they're they're meeting with a patient, I think it's something they should disclose to the patient that it is a concern, it is a risk. In the past, I'm not sure that an actual health provider ever talked to a patient about a risk such as this right up front, but I do think that it's in the press and now there's, there's guidance on it, and I think that there should be an awareness that if they're going to do a procedure or implant a device that falls under this, this guidance, it's a risk. If there is a security breach of a medical device and it causes harm to patients, who's potentially liable? Is it the medical device maker? Is it the healthcare provider? Both? Well, I, I think that would be a very fact-specific scenario on how they would work that through. I mean, I guess if, if you're saying does this guidance have the force of law right now? And I think the team that know it does not have the force of law, but in the future, and when it becomes a standard and it wasn't adopted, I think like most things, it, people would say, well, this is this guidance was out there. It's been out there for a while and you didn't use it. But at this point, I don't think I could make a statement on in, in the very near future how this would be used. So now the way things stand today with existing medical devices that are already out in the marketplace that were developed and brought to market before this guidance, if there's a breach to one of those medical devices and it doesn't harm a patient but it instead becomes the entryway for hackers, for instance, accessing a hospital's IT systems, would the medical device maker be liable? Well, again, I think that if there's a breach to a, a medical device where it does become an entryway for access to the hospital IT systems, then it would be, in a sense, just treated like any other cybersecurity risk. I mean, I think that this is a known risk. So if you're implementing a cybersecurity plan, then you should be looking at known risks and you know monitoring for the unknown. I think it would be a a reasonable argument that if you did nothing and totally disregarded this guidance, that that would not be the wise choice going forward. Do you think that in the future, if there's a breach involving a medical device that is produced by a manufacturer, you know, after this guidance has come out, and there is a problem, say, with either a patient being harmed or a healthcare provider's systems being breached because cybersecurity was not thoroughly implemented in, in that device. Do you think that kind of changes things? Do you think there's more of a liability issue, perhaps, for that medical device maker? Yeah, I mean, I think that the FDA gave a list of the information technology standards that they recommend. And so if those standards were ignored as well, then I think that there would be a greater uh, risk of liability towards the medical device manufacturer. I mean, if this was my client, I would say, here's a a roadmap. I would work towards implementing it. And the risks have been raised and they've given you guidance and they've given you the actual standards that they think they would recommend. I mean, there's, 
there's no reason not to use this as a, as a safe harbor. So I think what's really also a little bit more interesting is the actual security around and the risk for these devices being hacked and actual patients being harmed. I mean, I think that's really where there would be a lot of sympathy towards finding the, the manufacturer liable. I mean, the part in here of the guidance that is encouraging the manufacturer to make sure that there's a way to detect, respond, and recover from a cyber attack or a cybersecurity event, if those are ignored, I think that that would be very ground for liability there. Finally, Ellen, when it comes to healthcare providers, do you think that in the future they need to assess new products that they purchase, new medical devices that they purchase to see if these products do indeed address key cybersecurity risks before they purchase them? Yes, I do. I think that with seeing that new products and services can be reviewed and should be reviewed, especially in the financial services area, mobile applications area. There's plenty of guidance out there on how to work through and, you know, the governance issues and getting the stakeholders to the table. I think that there's plenty of good reason to get everybody to the table to review a new product and service. But once there, this guidance actually does assist the team in showing, like, okay, let's break this up into tasks so that we can attack this this issue. And so I think this guidance is really clear that if you are going to review a new product and service, here's the way to do it. You definitely want to take a look at making sure that access is limited to trusted users only and ensuring that the software and the firmware updates are to authenticated code and that you've also got a plan to detect, respond, and recover. I mean, I think that's really the crux of it is if something happens, making sure that there is a there is a very quick way for a patient to be part of actually this process to detect and respond and to have the device recover itself. So there should be a fail-safe mechanism in there as well. I mean, it's just showing that everything's connected and everything is able to be hacked once it is connected to the Internet. And I think what's really important is also this technology should be guided and guarded very closely when these medical device manufacturers have this intellectual property. And they should report any theft of such intellectual property to the authorities because, you know, a lot of times employees have this type of information and they have a go-to-market strategy and they're going to market this information. And a lot of the marketing information involves cybersecurity information. You know, if that information is compromised, I think that should be reported as well. Thanks, Ellen. I've been speaking to attorney Ellen Giblin. I'm Marian Kolbasek-McGee of Information Security Media Group. Thanks for listening.